welcome to another episode of Tory Talks. In today's episode, Sam is joined by Mick Fraser, Suffolk County Councillor and veteran of 24 years serving in the armed forces. Um, Today's episode, they discuss national service and the idea of a national service for young adults. Apologies in advance for the slight um, decrease in quality of sound, but unfortunately Sam had an issue with her microphone, um, which was only apparent after recording. We still hope you enjoy regardless. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tory Talks. I'm Sam and today this isn't Ian. Uh, This is uh, Mick Fraser. Um, He is a Suffolk County Councillor and Favour of Councillor and has served in the armed forces uh, for 24 years. So um, our subject today is about national service. So I thought Mick is the perfect man to have that discussion with me. So thank you for coming on uh, the podcast today. Um, How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Sam, and uh, thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. Um, it's my first one, so uh, this should be interesting for me, I'm sure, uh, hopefully for everyone else that's uh, watching in. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll enjoy it. Yeah, well, I'll, uh, I'll try and treat you nicely, <laughs> as it's your first one. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so um... It's my first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll be joking with you. Um, yeah, so the, obviously uh, we are both Tories, and uh, so we've been sort of talking anyway. We're both in Suffolk, um, but yeah. we have another connection, and that is our connection with the armed forces. Um, yeah. Only served two teeny tiny years in the territorial army, so that's my oath of allegiance there. Um, but that short stint sort of gave me a little view into the, the world of the forces um, and I also uh, spent a couple of years in the um, the uh, sea cadets volunteering there as a, as a training officer so I've yeah. from the point of view of you know children being part of or young adults I should say being part of uh, something that's like military linked um, and so I feel personally quite passionate about the idea of a national service as such for our young and I just wanted to sort of Fresh it out with someone and see what your thoughts might have been on that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, interesting. Uh, you say the territorials. I was, I was in fact, I did a, a year in the territorials before I joined up, and that was uh, really a progression. I think I've been in uniform since I was about eight. You know, uh, Cub Scouts and uh, a brief stint in the Scouts, uh, a, a bit of a sabbatical for playing football, and then I was in the Army Cadets. Um, probably uh, back in 1982, I remember, it was just after the Falklands, and so I was 15, 14, 15, and then uh, progressed onto the territorials, which were in the same unit, uh, before actually realising, uh, yeah, my, my career, my employment path wasn't going where I wanted, so, you know, I joined up at 19, so I had a, a bit of a background there in the reserves as well, so, yeah, I've got a unity there. So what do you think about the idea of uh, possibly bringing back a national service um, as such for our young today? The, it, it's a, it, a wide-ranging uh, topic. It, it's, um, it's not something you can uh, simply say that 
um, this would be a great idea. Let's let's instigate it. And I think um, you know, there, there are very. It's a great topic to debate because there's so many fors and against or pros and cons. Um, but I, I think um, you know where you were just discussing there about your time with the sea cadets, and that's an excellent uh, point there. And I, and I think this is really where, as a the big society, perhaps you know we should look at. I certainly believe that all our young people should be in some form of organized group, uh, whether it be cat, uh, scouts or a sports team or a choir, something where they have to work together. Um, and also this, uh, this is where we have our adults with their experience bringing, uh, giving their time and experience and commitment to our young people to development. So I think that, that's really a very good cornerstone of where we need to be certainly as a society and to develop our young people for the challenges they're going to face in adult life. And then we come to adult life and it's, um, you say, right, so um, national service. And I think uh, a lot of our fathers, certainly my father did national service, uh, a short stint uh, in Egypt. And I, yeah, um, this was a period of time after the war, 1945 through to 1963 where um, we had an empire to police, it was bit, um, we had um, independence issues that had to be managed, and you needed a, uh, a, a, an organized force to do this. So there was actually a requirement there. So I think when you, when you start discussing national service, you have to say, well, is there a requirement first? Uh, what's the need? Uh, and of course, and I think um, what uh, many people say, look, it was really good for the people that were in it. They, um, because uh, it instilled discipline, it gave them purpose. Uh, you, know, um, you start, you know, everyone has to get up in the morning at six o'clock and be prepared, be, you know, have breakfast, be out in the parade square ready to go early in the morning. And uh, you can see there is some positive points there, yes, of course. So overall, I think it's a very good point to debate. Do I believe personally that we should have some form of national service? Yes, perhaps. Um, but you know, what, what exactly do we want it for and what do we want our people to do? So, yeah, you know, I say it's a broad subject worth discussing. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And you're, and you're right in terms of whether there's a need. Um, I have always found it interesting that people, um, as, as the generations are moving on, less and less people are volunteering, for example. And I always wondered yeah. if that, ste that stemmed from the... The decline as such as people when they're teenagers um, being part of uh, organisations such as the guys, the scouts, the cadets and that kind of thing and, um, and I wondered whether if it was made compulsory that you had to be part of something as a teenager uh, such as you know the, the, the say a, a military organisation um, that you had that thing inside you that that gave you the discipline and the mindset in order to do something and participate a little bit alongside what the Territorial Army does, or well, it's not TA now, is it? It's Army Reserves, um, in terms of yeah. homegrown, um, getting out in your community, um, that it might start giving the teenagers a bit of a, a sense of purpose that then could lead on to um, doors being opened into different worlds that they may not necessarily be thinking about at this, at this moment in time, um, because there seems to be this, this constant battle of, oh, there's too many teenagers on the street, but 
the teenagers saying there isn't really anything that we can do that's got no point to us. And then you have organisations such as the cadets, which are have a they're not seen as cool, so you don't go through the door. Um, but if it's compulsory yeah. and you're kind of forced to go through the door, you realise actually it is pretty cool. It's it's just not your interpretation of course when you go in there. Um, so that's kind of where I'm coming from, is if there was a, 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 a sort of latter teens compulsory type thing that then led on to once you're an adult, you had to do compulsory national service as well. It's sort of like the foundation and the next step. We might be able to then start plugging the gaps that are, are being caused with the voluntary sector anyway and also give our young some platform of purpose because um, it's something I feel really passionate about volunteering but you notice as the years go on the different generations they have different mindsets and so my generation and younger it's really really difficult to get them to volunteer and that's why we have yeah. a of volunteers and um, obviously with what's going on at the moment and the reason we're not in the same room is because uh, currently, we've got COVID-19 and the lockdown. Um, we're, we're seeing how important it is to volunteer. Um, but I was thinking if, if we had something that was a youth thing to start off with, it could then push that idea even further. So that's where I'm coming from on this, is a youth organisation as such. Yeah, um, uh, it's a very good place to start. Uh, here in Hadley, we've got... Um, numerous youth organizations, sea uh, cadets, uh, uh, sports teams, quite a lot and um, we've got one high school, it's a lovely community Hadley, I'm, I'm sure you know uh, and there's plenty, there are plenty of things for young people to do but, it, and it's, but it's just a small group of young people that don't wish to engage and it's, they're, they're the ones that it's uh, difficult to reach out to, you know we have uh, a minor problem with some antisocial behaviour. Um, there are some drug issues here in the town, like everywhere else. Um, and, it, and it's really trying to say, um, encourage those that are slightly disenfranchised a way to actually bring them into some sort of organisation. Um, if I can just uh, advertise one group, there's Porch Project, you might have heard, they work here and in Sudbury. And they really, they, they've got a lot of uh, backing from some quite prominent residents um, to act, and from the PCC as well and other, um, uh, other larger organisations to actually uh, engage with them and bring them off the streets and actually get them to work together on you know, some core skills. I, I like your idea, you know, so to make it compulsory, I think, and, and there's a challenge, isn't it? Um, you know, should every every uh, every young person be uh, pres prescribed into some sort of organisation? I think there you, you're touching on well, you know, uh, our freedoms of choice. You yeah, know, are we into that? And also, where's the best place to bring this in? And I suppose um, I remember recalling seeing a, a very good uh, program on the BBC about uh, schools and their CCFs, the Combined Cadet Force, um, and there were some schools that had quite a lot of ex-military teachers in there, including headmaster, uh, and that's what they did, and it was a case of the encouragement was there on one particular day of the week, maybe a Wednesday or a Thursday, those that were in 
the sort of the scouts or the cadet part, they, they could wear that uniform on that day as opposed to their school uniform just to make it sort of stand out slightly different. So I think that's quite good. So I suppose if you're going to aim at where would you have these located, you might suggest actually the schools are a good starting point. And then uh, you're looking, okay, funding, How, where, where's the, you know, there, there's going to be some sort of re, uh, resource required for this. So identifying that uh, and make it worthwhile. And uh, that might not be a bad place to start because, of course, now this is, I'll touch on something, uh, you know, I'm not too um, re well read on it, is at the children's centres and how funding for those have been reduced. Uh, and they, that there were those. So you know, we would be looking at push, you know, going back into that sort of side. Um, so I, I, I would certainly support that uh, idea of yours, um, you know, to have some, something there. Um, make it compulsory, certainly need to get some encouragement. But it's the thing is, to those disenfranchises, trying to attract them in, saying, well, look, this group, they do something really special here. They can dress differently. They're a bit of a, a clip. What you know is trying to encourage those in. That's quite a difficult thing. Yeah. Your second, your second point, and here's where we need to go: is making it compulsory. You know, in adult life, so um, 18, whatever is right now. All people, all young people, 18-year-olds need to do national service uh, of some form. Um, uh, and, and there's some quite quite good models around Europe, around the world that you could look at on what they would do. Uh, armed forces, particular, um, yeah, there, there's some good uh, areas of debate around that. Um, do we want a massive uh, force uh, armed forces? Well, actually, we can't even recruit enough to get into our present army. Um, you know, but employment figures, well, were quite high a couple of months ago, they're going to be significantly changed in the next few months. Um, uh, and actually, what would, you, what would you want them to do? Um, and I think we could move the focus away from armed forces into, um, they could certainly be a starting point, but then actually bring them into some form of um, other, you know, civilian type of support such as something to do with the blue lights, uh, ambulance or fire, something like that. Mm. So there's a you know, wide range of um, services uh, that young people could be engaged with, not necessarily the military. Yeah, correct, actually. Yeah, I, that, is, that is a really valid point of um, it becoming too narrow. I think um, what, I, what people don't realise, and I think until you're involved with it, you, you see the full spectrum of what's available when you enter into, whether it's the cadets or the forces, it is not just about, oh, let's go marching and let's fire a rifle. Um, yeah. and learn, you can learn silver service, you can, you know, you, you can do medical stuff. And, um, I interestingly learned how to swim when I was uh, part of the, the, the Territorial Army. Yeah? And, you, yeah. and so there's all these different things, but I think, with education, there is a lack within the education system for learning skills, and we we don't seem to realise that there is your education, but there's also this big set of skills that you need through life that I think can be taught as a young adult through something like a national service. 
so you can learn how to um we spent a lot of our weekends to be honest fixing land rovers but you know i learned the basics of how a how a car works and you know how to change a tire and stuff yeah but some some hard to reach um young adults um they wouldn't necessarily been taught that in their household um and so it's all these other skills that you learn and also that that being part of that team and th- these are people let's be honest when you're part of your group they're not necessarily people that you would probably meet on the outside world as such and be like well he's going to be my mate but for some reason we've yeah. all got that uniform on you know that you have to rely on each other for whatever task you're set and all this and you learn so many life skills um through it that i just think it would be it would be such a shame for not everyone to experience that. Now, I had really highs, I had really lows in there, but this, the, 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 the thing I take away with me for the rest of my life is those two tiny years that I've had, all the, the confidence that it gave me. Um, and I think, you know, for young adults to not have had that, that experience, they're really missing out on something. And you touched on the fact that we're struggling to recruit um, in the forces. And I've spoken to um, so a, a, a warrant officer about it recently, and he said we're struggling oh, yeah. to appeal to, to the younger generations what we're we doing wrong. And I think, you know, maybe once they're part of it, part of the national service, some of them might then naturally go through it. It shouldn't be the aim of, by the way, we're going to just force young adults yeah. to be part of this so that they could then join our forces. It's to create well-rounded individuals who have participated in a really uh, a young part of their life in the makeup of our country and to feel proud proud about that um, so that's kind of where we come but yeah there's you know the lifeboats um, ambulance uh, services there um, the St John's ambulance there's all these other yeah. things to tap into as well to make it a broader thing it doesn't necessarily have to be the army um, but I, I think there's a there's a strong case for it um, interestingly that in um, France Macron is very keen on bringing in a national service for young people um, and we do have I don't know if you know this but we have this national citizen service have you heard of this um, no I don't think so you'd have to expand on that well it's a bit it's for 15 to 17 year olds um, so we've got that in this country already so it's called national citizen service uh, they run a program uh, in Inspire, which is two streets down from me. So I live in Ipswich, and they have uh, the National uh, Citizen Service in Inspire, yeah. um, and that's kind of uh, like touching on. Uh, so it seems to be a go-between, like a, a, a happy medium between the cadets and other services that are available. So it's more of like a sports and adventure type thing. So there is something that we have that is called a National Citizen Service. Um, but it's not quite the vision of like, the military. And um, Prince Harry, I know he's not flavour of the bump at the moment, um, but he's spoken quite a lot about bringing back a national service in uh, in this country. But again, it's, is there a need for it? Which you highlighted a few. You know, when I joined the TA, we were still very much hot in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. And my desire to join the TA was because of 9/11. I was at high school then and I thought I want to be part of this to, as a purpose to defend my country because I was absolutely um, affected by what happened in 9-11. It's kind of dying down now, I guess. 
and that's that sort of driver's and responsive way of joining. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, is there a need for it as well, or are we just pumping in a lot? Would we then be just spending a lot of money on a service that probably wouldn't be fit for purpose? Um, it's a difficult. Yeah. It, it, it's um, oh, so you'd have to model it for what we need now. So after the wires are set up to the, the early 1960s, uh, we needed a large force. We sent a um, yeah, a conscripted, uh, basically a conscripted army to fight in Korea. Um, and they had that all sort of fallback. So it, it, you don't want to base it on that model because that was you know middle of last century. We need something now. And I say if you look around at um, other nations, I think Scandinavia, I've, um, the Scandinavian countries have a very good look at it. And I, I think um, the Danish model is um, only around one in ten are actually finally recruited, uh, but uh, they'll do the, the basic training as you as you remember. So uh, they learn all those uh, prime those initial skills that you require, and then they might go to an army unit or they might be then say go to an ambulance unit or something like that but they're all part of it uh, and I think the Scandinavian models are quite interesting because uh, they, um, some of them you have to apply uh, everyone has every young person has to apply but then they'll only filter out the best that the best that they want for the numbers they need so there's a little bit of competition thrown in there to actually uh, provide it um, but what do we need now? Well, I think actually, I mean, the key point you came out with there, Sam, is actually our numbers are in the armed forces. We're not recruiting enough people. So um, there are arguments that the National Service soldier, perhaps, and I'll speak with the army, uh, perhaps isn't as um, effective as a regular soldier. But I know that many commanders would rather have a person in their ranks rather than an empty space in their ranks. Mm. You need, need to fill those gaps. And I think, let, let's go talk about the, terri the, or the reserve force now, the territorials that we have. I, I joined the territorials in 84, so, uh, and the army was huge then. Uh, the, the regular army was 180,000, know, so more than twice the size it is now. Uh, and the territorials were... Um, very largely populated with a great many people who, who were ex-regulars ex anyway. And I learned so much off them. They were my mentors. Yeah, I, I, I love meeting them in the street nowadays when I go back home here. Uh, I took so much from them. And, and they developed me into the person, you know, to, into the person I am. They gave me that, that big start in life. Some of it, not quite well, you know, they taught me, you know, introduced me to bitter, you know, as opposed to lager and things like that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it was all—it was all really, and it was really, really good fun. And it's you know the week. Do you remember the weekends? You know, you finish work on a Friday, get home, don your uniform, take your kit, and then you go off for a weekend in a in a woods somewhere. Not get no hours sleep. Come back Sunday night, and then Monday morning you're absolutely destroyed. <laughs> but you, you could describe what your weekend was to everyone else, and it was just like you know. Uh, wow, uh, from what you did. Um, and actually, you know, it's the, t the territorials, they are a reserve force. Um, I, I, uh, you know, I think options for change back in the early 90s just wiped out the TA. And it was a bit like wiping out the um, cottage hospitals and the branch lines. It's, very, it's going to be very difficult to get back. And I think they, they struggle much more with recruiting than the regulars do. Mm. Uh, so I think actually, you know, um, uh, an element of um, 
national service conscription type um, uh, process uh, to fill those ranks with people that will actually do something is very worthwhile. But they're expensive. You know, um, you know so, uh, armed forces are expensive things. Um, but we have committed to 2% of our GDP on, on our forces. And um, perhaps personnel might be more effective than some of the material that we buy. Um, so, so, so certainly filling out, the, um, filling, making sure that we're fully manned. And then equally, we've got a reserve force to call on when you need it, rather than them being there uh, part of the standing army. Yeah. But but what they you know what do we need? Well, you you see um, you have military at the moment. You've got military aid to the civil you know, authorities. You know, Mackay. Yeah. Uh, we've got drivers uh, here in Suffolk. You know, military drivers helping distribute PPE to uh, healthcare workers that need it. You see in the winter months. Um, you know, with the rainfall that we had, uh, the military out uh, putting up flood defences and that sort of thing. Imagine if we had a fully manned reserve force that you could call on to do that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so so there is that. So I think you know, um, having a look around at what we require and what we can model it on, I think you, you, you could certainly say, right, every young person, 18 years of age, right, you've, yeah, you've got to apply, you've got to make that first step. Um, and, and of course, um, it, you, you could say, well, actually, we don't need armed forces here, but we need actually uh, reserve fire, fire uh, firemen. So, fire, so we want actually X number to be, you know, uh, on-call fire service for a year or something, or two years or something. Like you say, you know, lifeboats. Uh, I think even they struggle, don't they, um, in, in some areas because of uh, their. Uh, shout time. They've got to be employed close by so they can drop out and be be somewhere. Uh, and, and it's you know, yeah, and, and I think you could do that. I think and, uh, one one of the things I say to young people leaving school, unsure, not knowing what they want to do, I don't encourage anyone to join the armed forces. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't push them. I, I don't think it's the right thing to do. But if they have because and. For one reason, you don't want to push someone into that. Equally, the armed forces, like anyone, they want people who want to be in there because they're, they're actually more motivated. But if anyone, if any young person's got an idea, um, yeah, I'm sure what they want to do, but they, they might fancy it. I'll encourage them to do so because for every young person that does it, um, imagine you're, you're on a, you know, you're in one of the services for a couple of years, two years. You're going to. Be trained to do so much. You're going to learn so much. You're going to gain so many qualifications, rather than being on a, say, a production line where you're just producing that item or what, or going through that process. Mm. After a couple of years, your your CV is going to be so much wider with experience, qualifications, leadership, uh, that sort of thing. So it really is, you know, a, a good building block for the future career progression and challenges that you're going to have throughout your adult life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes uh, what frustrates me is that I have people in my life who can't get a job, and so the, the, the fact that they can't get a job isn't the frustration. It's the fact that they don't fill that time with volunteering or doing something yeah. that is going to prevent there being a massive gap in their CV. 
So constantly doing something, there is always someone out there that needs some form of support. Um, and and the the skills that you you pick up, even if it is volunteering, you can put that on your CV. Everything that you do is is something that you're learning for for life and building um, the foundations of what you're going to become, especially when you're young. Um, and I mean that when you when you're saying about going to work and then <laughs> and then spending your weekends on um, oh gosh, you know the, the the memories I have and they make me smile because. It was hard work, and I would I was working in the city, so I would go down uh, to London with my bag and everything else, and yeah, drop yeah. my kit off, and then do my day's work, and then lug that back on the train. And I was in Colchester, and I, I couldn't drive, so I then had to get off at Colchester, spend my weekend, a really tough weekends, and then Monday I just felt like I'd you know, and they, they would say. TA weekend was it Sam and I'd be like yes but the stories you could tell and what you learn and they you know who I worked for said that with every week that went by it was like a, a better version of me was coming in because I was becoming so confident in myself um, and and my ability and it just pulls it it pulls it out of you doesn't it because you do all this stuff that you just couldn't imagine being able to do I mean you know I've driven Land Rovers on, you know, on um, RAF sites through the, you know, the, the, the big uh, yeah. hills and stuff like that. And you just think you would never be able to do stuff like that in your in your day-to-day -day job. No, uh, and that's it. And I think it, it's, um, you yeah, know, to develop, to develop yourself oneself. Uh, it, it, the one th with the military is uh, they push you further than you'd naturally feel comfortable with. You know, they... You, you take those you know, extra steps with risk even, you know, this is a challenge. The old, I think abseiling is, is really the, the, the one that's advertised a lot, isn't it? It's, yeah. um, and I learned to abseiling the TA, and it, and it, and it is yeah, it, something you wouldn't, <laughs> who in their right mind would want to go and do that? But once you've done it, it's extremely good fun, isn't it? And it is, and, and that's it, it's, it's a fun thing, it's something else. Um, and. I think yeah, the older generation that that served went through conscription, national service. They got something to talk about. They did that um, that element. And they got shiny shoes, you know, to show for it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, feds made shiny shoes. You can always tell. Um, but yeah, I just um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. And they've always got the, the stories. But also another reason why I feel so passionate about that is because when I did do my two years. And ever since, I've always felt that there's never been the appreciation and the respect for the forces that we probably should have. So I remember doing through the Freedom of Ilford parade. So going through Ilford. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And it was it was amazing in one sense because you could wear your uniform in pride and you with pride and you were part of something. But the rules with regards to your kit and where we could meet and everything else because we were potentially going to be met with some hostility was really disheartening yeah. and I think if everyone was to play a part in realising how important our forces are maybe the level of respect for our armed forces um, yeah. change as well because even with this uh, coronavirus uh, situation 
we stand outside and we clap for our carers and our NHS, and rightly so, we should absolutely do that. We didn't do that when our members of the armed forces came home from Iraq and Afghanistan. There's a massive um, uh, push for people within the NHS to, to make more money now, learning that you know these people are probably worth more than what they're on. Um, there wasn't yeah. that push when it came to our 19-year-old soldiers going front line in Afghanistan. And so we see yeah. the military very, very different to how we see people like the NHS. And everyone has a really important role to play in society. But I think it's be possibly because you see people in the NHS all the time. You go to the hospitals, you see the nurses, you see how hard they work. Yeah. We, we're comfortably aware of the forces but we don't have to see what how hard work they the hard work they put into it if you're part of it you're going to appreciate sure. it a little bit more and so i think for a, a respect level as well because we don't have the respect in this country i think that the forces deserve if having to be part of something and realize how hard it is probably would help us uh, regain the respect this country probably should have for our armed forces as well yeah um you, you're right uh, it they would certainly promote national unity, um, so you'd have shared experience, a better understanding and appreciate, appreciation what all the armed forces uh, do, uh, and the more people, you, you'd actually get a, a much higher turnover of uh, personnel, wouldn't you, uh, because you'd limit it to perhaps, say, two years, as it was before, yeah. so you so many people going out uh, uh, being part of that, and then equally they could be part of that active reserve afterwards, um, so they'd certainly have, so um, yeah, uh, it, it would certainly tick those two boxes, certainly the national unity one and a much better understanding of the armed forces. And I suppose that's what it is. It's, um, um, you, know, you know, it's not just shouting and marching up and down the square. There's so much more and it's a, quite, and it's a very complex beast. Um, uh, and I, one of the item, items you mentioned uh, to begin with is really learning. Uh, and how much you learn, and um, uh, you know, I'm a little, I'm quite a bit old, more, <laughs> a few years on you, so you're more current with education than I am, and you, you touched on a nerve with me, and said that um, you, you're suggesting that education today is still very much more academic and more passive, whereas I'm, I'm very STEM, I am, you know, I'm kinesthetic. Uh, I, I struggled with th uh, with things that I couldn't actually, you know, put my hands on. Whereas in the military, like you say, your head's under a Land Rover bonnet. You're given dilemmas that you have to, you have to, you can't read in a book. You have to think about what, how can you solve this situation, um, uh, and that all goes really you know, to, you know, as I've mentioned before, uh, experience in actually problem solving and that sort of thing. Um, and yes, um, like uh, the Thursday evenings is is absolutely wonderful, isn't it? Um, uh, the NHS, the care workers, they're now actually being highlighted. They are the frontline uh, troops at the moment, and they're giving this weekly uh, uh, applause. Um, the army units coming back from Iraq, Afghanistan, they may have uh, arranged the parade. They'd walk through the town. Everyone would see them there again, and then. Uh, on that one occasion, and then they dis disperse and go off to other things. Um, so I think there is that sort of appreciation. But I think if things go quiet for the military, I think they'll 
they'll, they'll sort of lose more touch. And I think keeping them very much part of um, the British uh, British uh, society is very important. It's one of the key key three things, isn't it, that makes Britain so special? Um, the royal family, the armed forces, and our NHS, they're really key things, aren't they, which are the envy of the world. Um, other countries try and emulate them as best as possible. Um, so, yeah, it is important, I think, um, that, we, that we keep them. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, my one concern is, are the numbers, you know, we, we aren't fully recruited. But there we are. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And, uh, and, and the cost. <laughs> Everything costs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another key point, and I think really it's um, certainly from my experience, um, and actually I think probably even when I was younger, but it, it promotes a lot more of equality amongst uh, amongst us all, right? Because you, you immediately you're thrown in with other people from other areas, other walks of life. Um, it, it was very much male orient dominated when I joined because you had the women's royal armoured. Uh, Royal Army Corps, sort of uh, WRAC at the time, whereas now women can join all, just about all trades. Um, in fact, I think it is all trades now, isn't it? Um, so that's very much more inclusive. Uh, and suddenly, you know, um, although I am uh, half Scottish, you know, I was working with Geordies and uh, Irish and, uh, you know, uh, Scousers, blimey. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and it's like, wow, you know, what's it, what's life like up north? Yeah, anything outside? Well, the M25 hadn't been fully built, yet, but what was was outside London for me? And it's uh, you meet him, and it's uh, uh, and of course it, it brought you know, it, 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 it you know it makes you appreciate other people so much more. Yeah. And likewise, you're volunteering. You're saying you're young people volunteer, meet meet with young people, uh, uh, and it's got to be so. Equal. Let's bring you know, everyone, regardless of their abilities, uh, um, beliefs, backgrounds, into our youth organisations. Of course. Yeah. yeah, and absolutely, and, and and that's something that the school the schools can't do because let's be honest. As much as we don't want to admit it, I guess with education is you often have like-minded families and like-minded people who live in certain areas that they want to live in, or go into the same school. It is very rare, unless you live in a very urban area, that you're going to come across all walks of life at school. Um, I find it really uh, strange. I accept that we, we split people into age groups anyway, but I always found it quite peculiar because then in the real world, outside of school, you don't just hang around with people your own age. Um, but you, you are still very much in the bubble at school. Whereas when you're in something like the Territorial Army or, or, the, or the cadets, you are thrown in with a mixed bag of, of everyone. You know, I had yeah. all all walks of life, all faiths as well. And so that's when I really, it was the first time that I um, ha uh, formed a friendship with someone of a different faith to me properly um, because they yeah. pray at different times. Um, we went down to Folkestone and, and, and um, uh, spent some time with the Gurkhas. So then you oh, yeah. started yeah. understanding uh, the culture and the importance of the the, the Gurkhas um, with our forces and actually our country, and so you experience all this different um, this different world within your own country, um, and it's the only time really because even if you do extracurricular activities, it's very much dependent on your finances. So if you are of low income, you will go to the free things normally. If you've got high income, you um, 
you would go to like David Lloyd or or whatever the tennis the tennis things is. So even the the things that you do after school, very much dependent on your family makeup, your finances, and your bubble that you're in. Something like this, which is a national thing, you're then thrown in with everyone, and I think that's when you will also be able to have an understanding of the greater greater world as such within your own country, especially with the United Kingdom, because we are so, so diverse. But even though yeah. we're so diverse, we still have problems with um, all living as one. We still have areas of segregation, that this could also challenge that as well. Yeah, yeah quite right. Um, you talk about segregation. Uh, I've seen it in Northern Ireland, it's still there, very much so, you know, peace walls, which is a complete oxymoron, really. Um, and and, and say so it's bringing groups of people together um, from all backgrounds, and it's got to be um, a, a good thing. Um, so it, it ticks a lot of those positive boxes, what, you know, uh, how it will improve the individual plus the wider society. Um, so it's got a, a lot going for it, and I think, uh, and that's clearly one of the points why it's always raised, but hey, Sam, why why don't we have it? Why don't we have national service, do you think? Um, well, I think, I do think as a country, we are now at a stage where we're a little bit apologetic for our forces. Um, we're certainly apologetic for our history. Um, and so we don't want to, just from my interpretation, we don't want to be seen as this real military sort of, um, also, we're very careful as a society um, with with combining youth and military because as soon as you combine the idea of the two, then you then have the fear of military youth groups and the negatives in history that that's caused um, because oh. the idea that you, do you know what I mean? So I think people may think actually it's a good idea, but when you're thinking you're talking about the young and then you're talking about you know, it, national service or something like that people have a discomfort and i don't know whether it's they have a discomfort because of other areas of the world that have had this and it's gone horribly wrong um and so people are very cautious of it also there's a massive cost element of it there's 1.5 million teenagers between 16 and 17 in the uk that's a that's a lot of money and that's a lot of organization spent on it However, how much money is spent on the police, crime, county lines issues, all this other stuff, negative, uh, negative uh, things of mental health and stuff around teenagers? It's a, it's a, yeah. a, it's a balancing act. We spend a lot of money on this particular group of people anyway, but we're probably not putting the money. We're very reactive, so we've got real problems with county lines. But we don't really. I'm not sure whether we're addressing it in the right way, um, and there's there's no empowerment with these teenagers. But I think it's it's a very complex issue. But people are very cautious when it comes to a military organisation, just generally. And so I think that's why we don't have it. National service, though, um, taking the youth out of it. National service. I have no idea why we don't have it. I, could, I couldn't understand, I've, I've looked it up, I, have, I really don't know what the drive was to get rid of it, other than maybe we were at peace times, so there wasn't a desire to have it anymore. I don't, I don't know, like, do you know why, it was, why they got rid of it in the first place? Yeah, well, I think, uh, as I say, you had the, the drawdown of the empire, um, so after the war, uh, quite rightly, um, 
countries un, un, under our flag wanted their own independence, um, and we went about it different different ways in individual countries. But uh, um, so the uh, policing that large expanse of globe shrunk. So so that's what it was. Um, so that, that's the key element on that. Uh, and equally. Um, uh, you then along the lines, well, you know, civil. You what about your own civil liberties, or you know, why should uh, a person have to give up two years of their youth to go and do something they might not necessarily want to do? And and equally, you know, putting them in harm's way. Um, we, we talked about uh, the recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan. Yeah, you know, I've seen you know many a young young soul get um, you know seriously hurt or worse. Uh, from those, uh, um, so you have that side as well, uh, and, and they're an expensive beast. You know, to actually, you know, for a, you know, a serviceman costs quite a, a lot of money to uh, employ, house, clothes, all, all of those sort of things. Uh, when you look, look at other uh, examples around the, you know, uh, even in Europe, so Greece, I think, is nine months, but they're literally uh, you know, paid a pittance. Uh, yeah, they're just you know they're, they're you know they're almost you know abused really for just you know they're not a national statistic of being unemployed. They're in the armed forces, but they're doing nothing and they're getting nothing for it, and it's a waste of time and people really. Um, so and actually, does it have to be? Would it have to be centred on the military? Uh, we talked about the other sort of services they could be involved in, but also uh, I think uh, was it David Cameron was talking about sort of like a a citizen service or something along the lines of the old American Peace Corps or whatever, where you know, you'd go off and do good deeds around the world or whatever, supporting I don't know Red Cross, Médecins Sans Frontières, something like that. Um, equally, with its challenges, its risks, uh, its adventure, um, all of those uh, all of those good things. Yeah, well, we'll see what we'll see what comes. It's a subject that pops up every now and again, isn't it? Um, and people yeah. and thrash it out. Um, it would just be interesting to see whether there would be a politician who would kind of be brave enough to say, actually, let's put this on the back on the table and and see where we can go. I think if there's ever a time to do it, it will probably be. I don't think it's going to happen, mind, but I think it would be interesting. If there was a time to do it, probably after this lockdown, um, because though the forces hasn't been given the uh, media coverage that I think it should in this time, they are the ones that are delivering all the PPE yeah. um, and, and that kind of thing. They are the ones that you know react to the, the flooding and stuff like that. Don't think they get yeah. much coverage. There's definitely now a desire and a feel uh, and understanding for the need to help each other out. Yeah, it could be if you had someone that was of our mindset, I guess, up in the gods in Westminster. Um, it could be put back on the table. I just don't think it will. Um, but it would be nice to think that that could be a conversation that isn't in an aggressive, let's force everyone to do this. But actually, there are a lot of positives which we've briefly explored, and um, and it would be great if we could talk about it all day, but we obviously can't. Um, but there are positives to it. Um, it just needs to be done in the right way and we need the right finances for it. Um, but it'll be interesting uh, to see whether this ever comes up again um, and if we could uh, 
influence it slightly to I would definitely I mean if I was elected I would definitely be pushing for something like this um yeah yeah I, I think so I think actually um yeah uh, I think we could make it a compulsory application process uh, and then each year there could be a quota of what is needed to fill uh the gaps that uh whether they be in uh, the military uh, or the blue services or for other uh, other things but uh, and actually give um, those people a structure and a choice or whatever and actually it will provide the awareness um, actually give a little bit of competitive spirit and a bit of kudos actually if you were selected um, so I think so and actually you say when we come out of this lockdown there's going to be a lot of work that needs to be done uh, and people will be needed so why not um, it could be an opportunity could be an idea um, yeah, so might have to pass it on to Johnny Mercer or something. <laughs> yeah, I might take him into this and say, look, just just watch what uh, what our ideas are and see what <laughs> see what you think. But yeah, it'll be an yeah. interesting one. It's uh, it's actually been a real pleasure to sort of thrash thrash it out and thoughts uh, with you. Um, and that's why I definitely wanted to talk to you about this particular subject because I knew that we had some form of shared experience in it. Uh, yeah. And it's actually been really nice to sort of reminisce a little bit about it as well. <laughs> and, and, and absolutely, and, and, and isn't that one of those delightful things? Is uh, you, you, we speak that same uh, you know language that uh, your your civilian doesn't understand, and you can tune into someone speaking that, and then you can you, you share that over a beer, and you, you just yeah nod. You, you have that knowing smile about it as well, don't you? Yeah, it's yeah. a bit like when you're uh, when you're a, a Ford driver or something, and then you pass another Ford driver, and you just give them the nod. It's a little bit like yeah. that if you've got any military connection at all. You're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting one. Uh, so thank you. Uh, what have you got? What have you got planned for the rest of the day? Um, grass cutting. Uh, I think that's very much you know, you know doing you know, gardening. Yeah, and. Uh, tidying up so uh, usual great fun Saturday things um, it's just one of the, another weekend um, actually I'm enjoying the house and the garden uh, rather than rushing around going out doing things it's uh, a little bit of enforcement on enjoying and appreciating what I've you know built up worked earned for over these years is actually quite nice and I suppose um, you know the one thing I've taken away from this lockdown period is really just actually appreciating what I do have and what is around me yeah that's a really nice way to end actually because I'm getting to it's as frustrating as it is I was sitting out in the garden with my my kiddies and I just said to yeah. them we're actually very blessed right now because we have we're shielding so we do have you know but we are we are safe um, we're, we're lucky to have a garden and then I, it's the yeah. first time that I've actually looked and thought I've worked so hard um, to 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 get all all the stuff and the the, the lifestyle as such that we've got. And yeah, you can just sit back, slow down a little bit, and then think, wow, this is we're, we're very blessed right now. So yeah. it's definitely made me appreciate the little things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. And you, and you. And I hope anyone who's watched or, or listened on the uh, on, on audio um, has enjoyed us speaking about something that isn't lockdown related. <laughs>